Good morning, good morning. Uh, take a moment and just people to your left, to your right, just kind of give them a pandemic wave, whatever you feel most comfortable with. You know, it is, it is a challenging season for community. It really is, but we still want to have as much as we can when we can. Um, today, we're going to continue to go through Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians 3, uh, 20 to 21. We've got um, two or three more weeks of this as we finish out um, this letter to the early church. Uh, and then we're going to start preparing for Easter, which is awesome, right? It's going to be pretty, last year we couldn't really do that the same. This year it's going to be a little more normal, which we're excited for. Um, before we get into uh, today's message, I do want to, just so uh, you guys understand where we're coming from and why we do what we do and uh, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Clint's message last week, and I encourage you, if you didn't hear it, um, uh, go listen to it. Uh, maybe it's one of those you, pr- you might want to listen to a couple different times. Um, he actually took on two really huge topics. One, which was in Colossians 3, um, 18 and 19, husbands and wives, and how that works. Um, it was probably a shorter message on that than we'd want to, but we're going to talk about that stuff more as, as we've already talked about that. Um, for we believe that, that, that men are the, the leaders of their home, and, but how they do that looks very different than the world. It's truly an understanding, and we'll get into the message about this today too. If we understand what leadership, God's understanding of leadership, every person would be very careful to be a leader. If you're really walking in, in godly leadership as a husband, as a wife, um, as a man, or as a woman, and you're in those places of leadership, there, there is some weight on you that doesn't always benefit you, right? And we do it right, we'll look at it differently. The other thing, and it's really what I speak to right now, is what pa- Pastor Clint talked about. It's just kind of our, our view of what happened at the Capitol and just speaking about some of the things going on in the world right now. And it, it is a heavy time, but it's a great time to make disciples, as we're talking to some of our people, uh, you guys, about why we speak about Republicans and Democrats the way we do, I think sometimes people think that we're, we're picking sides. Um, and we're not trying to stay neutral. We probably have 60% Republicans, 40% Democrats in this church. I don't, we haven't made a toll. I don't know. Um, you know, a, a poll of that. So I don't, I don't know exactly the numbers. It's just guessing. But as we look at this, our whole view and our whole lens of everything that we say and do, we want it to be through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we minister to Christian Democrats and Christian Republicans. And what's exciting about right now in this day and time of what we're going through, yes, is there tension. Yeah, absolutely. Right? The, the pandemic has been difficult for all, all of us for different reasons. Right? Um, I am not naturally a rule follower. Okay, so uh, wearing the mask has been difficult for me. Whether I believe they they work or not is is irrelevant. But I am like being stretched as a believer, and this is something not new to me. From the age of ten, I decided I would not wear a seatbelt. I know I didn't say it was smart. Not all convictions are smart. Every mom in the room will probably give me a lecture later on, and you'd be right. Okay, I'm also married to a really godly woman that has <laughs> forced me in her leadership to wear a seatbelt because I'm a dad, right? But I naturally struggle in these things, right? So it's been a difficult time. But what's beautiful about it, it's great discipleship-making time because you can't go as a believer and go to the left and just get real comfortable because there's some oddly, ungodly things happening, also some godly things happening. On the right on the right, you can't go and lay your head there. 
And many of us have grown up as saying, I'm Christian, therefore I'm this. It's, it's not so easy now. Because we're followers of Jesus Christ above any political party. Joe Biden will not save you. Donald Trump will not save you. No man will save you. It's only Jesus Christ. That's the lens. We're not trying to be neutral, not trying to be nice. Trust me, we can find an easier way. Because sometimes you're like, oh man, we got <laughs> all percentages a little mad at us. But then we know that it's also good. Because following Jesus is beautiful and it's wonderful. But Jesus said this isn't going to always be easy. There's a great wrestling. So we just want to make sure you guys understand that. And it's really, we haven't changed what we're doing, why we're doing it. But when we see believers cheering on things that Jesus would say is wrong or political parties saying, man, this is our thing. We're like, no, that's, I, don't, I don't fight for that because I'm on the left or because I'm on the right. I fight for that because I'm following Jesus Christ. Right? So we're going to continue to go down that road and I hope you guys know that. Today we're going to be talking about fathers and children. So turn to me in Colossians, Colossians 3, 20 to 21. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Um, the ESV, uh, that's the NIV that I tried. The ESV says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So we're going to talk about that um, first from a, from a son and daughter point of view as children. We're all, we're all children of somebody. That's how we got here. And so you know, I could explain biology to you later on how it works. But you're here because someone made you. Right? It's also what makes God very unique because God says, I'm the great I am. I am because I am because no one made God. Right? Someone made you that made someone else. That's how it works. Right? So we're going to look at that from the point of view of being a child, of being a kid. And God has some things to say about that. In this verse, specifically to dads, right? Children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And we're going to look at that, um, why we kind of believe that, that Paul does that. But I want to look specifically, and you can put parents in here too, um, but I'm thinking of my father. What did your dad teach you growing up, right? To make that list. What are the things that you learned from your dad, probably good and bad? And in my list here, most of them are good, but some of them um, were probably not always the way of Jesus, right? My, my dad taught me to hunt and fish, to work. My dad taught me to work, um, to get back up, to stand up straight, to fight for the under God, or the, the underdog, to throw a punch. That sent me to the principal's office a few times. It's a different generation, different time, but yeah, my dad showed us how to throw a punch and how to take a punch. Um, and that was something I would have to wrestle with later on right, as a follower of Jesus, um, respect towards my elders or women. I learned that not just from my mom, but from my father. You would, to this day, you're not going to cuss around my mom, right? There's just some, like, my dad taught me, you be gentle with women. And if these are some of the things that I'm teaching my son, too. Like, son, you're going to be a big, large man. You, you're going to have to take this, like, you have to be really careful with things. I'm really thankful for my earthly father. And if you guys know my story, uh, the, the man who I call daddy, um, who I call dad, he's not, my, he's not my biological father. My mom actually married him somewhere between the time I was two and three years old. I remember calling him dad for the first time. My twin brother and I both decided, hey, we're going to start calling him dad and how good it felt. But what's crazy is what God does, some, he does some great healing in our hearts. I can't remember a time of him not being my dad. Right, if that makes sense. So I'm just very, very thankful for him. And it's just crazy how the Lord does some pretty special things. And I know when we start talking about dads, 
It can be a joyous thing, but it can also be a difficult thing. For some of us have had some dads that did not represent God well at all. Every, every dad will be in that boat, but I mean, some of us are dealing with some, we came from a, some abusive fathers, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, right? Some of us, maybe we talk about dads or parents saying it's hard for you because you miss your parents, right? So we're going to talk about all that. The first thing we want to look at, though, is just as from a, from a child's heart, from a son or daughter's heart. And what does God say about how we treat our parents? Exodus 20.12 says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Ephesians 6 in the New Testament, verses 1 through 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life here on earth. And the Lord has a lot to say in how we treat our parents. And we live in a day and time where there isn't a lot of honor towards parents and grandparents, especially in the West. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, and it still is this today in other cultures. If you're outside of the United States, outside of the West, like your kids, how you treat your kids, how they treat you, that's your retirement plan. We're one of the few nations where mom and dad live with their kids and they don't have grandparents and great-grandparents living there. Right? That's how other cultures do it. There's a line of respect and honor that we don't always kind of understand. And sometimes in the church, even today, just like thousands of years ago, the church doesn't always understand like, just how much God wants us to honor our parents. In Matthew 15, 1 through 9, I want to look at this. And this is, this is from the words of Jesus as, his, as he is having a discussion with some religious leaders. And it says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples bake the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And so in this text, what is Jesus talking about? He's going back to the Ten Commandments saying to honor your father and your mother, and there's actually a blessing that goes with it. And that, that the Lord even says, man, if you, if you curse your parents, man, you should be put to death. This is Old Testament. But then what's happening, and theologians believe that as people were tithing and giving, they have some, some more, right? Just like we do today. And that the church kept saying, why don't you keep giving us a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, as their parents were doing without. And I we could probably do a, a show of hands how many have seen the church do that. Even today, where mom and dad are struggling in their, in their, their years, they can't work, or maybe they're in sickness, and, and you're just over here giving all of it to the church because some TV evangelist or somebody is saying, no, just give, give, and the Lord will take care of your parents. And Jesus is calling that out. 
and saying, no. And say this, don't try and look, because you'll find it. Don't try and look for the loophole in the word of God. It's why we are to study the word of God together. It's why I don't just do a teaching on my own. Clint doesn't do a teaching on his own. Like we send our messages to the elders. Hey, look through this. We send them to each other. We send them to our staff. Like, hey, I just want to make sure that we're, that we're seeing this the way we should be seeing this. Also, be careful interpreting scripture to benefit you rather than obeying God. Right? It's this twisting of scripture. Say, well, you know what? I'm going to kind of look at it this way because it goes with what I would do if I was God. Or it's, 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 more, it's easier for the people I hang out with to digest. If you're walking with the Lord as a child of God, we're talking about the point of view from a, from a child, I mean, as you're wrestling with the Lord, it's not always going to be easy. Why? Because you're not God. And in the West, even as we look at these passages, right, it's not, it's, it's not a culture that we understand to honor your, in other, in the Eastern culture, man, they get it. Like, oh man, I, I get it. I'm living it. For us, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit more of a challenge. So why, as sons and daughters, why? Why should we be alarmed when a generation after generation is encouraged to think their parents are not smart or they don't understand their kids? And as a child, as a, or as a young man or woman, you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you become a, child, a parent and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, oh, wow, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you realize you're your parents, which is hilarious, right? Like, oh, touche, Lord, touche. But why should we be alarmed? Why don't you look at some, 2 Timothy 3, verses 2 through 4. And it says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'd look at that list and go, like people that are without love, they walk in unforgiving. I mean, that's our society. But right in there is disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. Kind of hits home, doesn't it? Like, why should we be worried about that? Because it is an agenda from the Old Testament to the New Testament, which, which, which we're living now, of an agenda of the enemy to have a rebellious heart towards authorities, towards spiritual parents, to not honor them, to not love them. Now, this is an important thing to look at because if you grew up in an abusive situation with your parents, this is, an, again, why we must look at Scripture together. Children, obey your parents in everything. So there are abusive parents, and there's levels of abuse. There's immature mom and dad they're just looking at scripture. They're trying to make a little mini-me of them, you know, of themselves. You, you know, whatever it would be. Or if you're my son, you're going to like this. If you're my daughter, you're going to like this. And then there's abusive. And they'll go and they'll take this pastor and say, you're supposed to be me in everything. And just like Pastor Clint talked about last week with husbands and wives. Man, if your parents or spiritual parents are asking you to do something that goes against the word of God, run away. 
right? Run away. Because, man, the patriarch of the Old Testament, Abraham, was told to leave your father's house. Why? Because his father was not a father of God. Right? We have to understand that. And sometimes in the church, we'll tell a woman, man, stay with an abusive man. Where God would say no. And I know some that, man, that's going to make, even making that comment will make you uncomfortable. I'm not talking about leaving your spouse because you're unhappy. Not going through some time where they could be restored. I'm talking about someone that is abusive to you and they don't want to stop being abusive. Same thing with parents. And God, Jesus himself, has some really harsh words to say to those who hurt kids. Parents and kids understand um, that uh, your parents are not God. You are not God to them. And your parents are not the Holy Spirit. Okay? Being a son or daughter, find a way to honor your parents even when you're an adult. What I mean, what I mean to that is like my, my father is not over me now. I'm not, I'm not under his house. He doesn't tell me what to eat, what music to like, or any of those things. Right? But I'm still going to find a way to honor him, and that doesn't mean I'm going to do everything he says. Even as an adult man, I will look and say, how would my father look at this? And I don't always probably do what he would like if he was around me right now. Right? I probably don't always do that, but it is something that I look at. Know the difference between your preference or your opinion and God's word. I'd say that as sons and daughters, and I would say that as parents as well. Sometimes those things get muddied, and they should not. But I would leave you with this quote as we start to look at the lens from a father's point of view or a parent's point of view. It's just loving our parents. And I saw this quote earlier this week. We are so busy growing up, we forget that they are growing old. Right? Okay, now I want to look at in, in verse 21 and just look at from the point of view of a father. And, and, and Paul specifically, he says, obey, you know, children, obey your parents and everything. But then he pulls out the dads and, and pulls them out just them. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Why does, why does Paul do that? And when I look at some of, some of the attack that we see in our world today, right, we want to attack men. We want to attack fathers. And I think there's, there's two reasons for that. Right? Why are dads made fun of um, on TV or social media? Like you, any sitcom, dad's a buffoon. Dad's a fool, and, and it sells, right? Why is that? And I believe that there's a spiritual agenda, and the enemy wants to take down men and fathers. But then there's also a sin issue, right? This is an attack spiritually, but it's also because of sin in the church. Why are so many dads vacant in homes? Sometimes we're, even if we're there, we're not there. Even at Emmaus, women will show up in greater numbers and zeal to spiritual things than men. Yes, I'm calling you out, guys. Like, we'll even have bacon there. <laughs> like, maybe we have bacon, they'll come. <laughs> True story, actually. Right? Why, why is that the case? Even at our prayer gatherings, Right? I want to teach my son to be a man and that men pray to God for hours and hours. I want to teach my, my son that men cry, that it's manly to cry. 
I want to teach my son that when he goes before the Lord, he's going to be filled with all sorts of emotions. And sometimes I question, even Emmaus, have we been taught those things? What it is to be a man and what it isn't to be a man. I don't think anyone wakes up and says, today I'm going to fail my kids. That's what I want to do. I'm going to be a terrible dad. I'm going to be a ter- no, one, no one does that. But maybe there's a reason that God is allowing these attacks on the fathers. It's not just an attack of the enemy. God's saying, okay, Satan, you know what? You don't know what you're doing. Go ahead and attack them. I'm allowing this to happen because I have some sons and some fathers that need to step up. Right? Society is trying to always say, this is what it is to be a man. This is what to be a man. Man, we can look through the word of God, and we should look through the church to see what is and what isn't a man. They say in the mission field, you reach a dad and you will reach the entire family, which is 100% true. Dads, you have a place. Again, if you look at scripture and how, what, it, what it looks to be a leader, and many times we'll look in the church, and women can be leaders too. Right? I fully believe that. It's a, it's a, that's another teaching, another discussion. Right? But we see time and time and time again from, from the household, even to leadership in the church, like men rise up, God, God's called you to do these things. Right? If you were to look at this from a biblical understanding, you would see that Jesus says the first will be last and the last will be first. And so many times the problem is from being dads or even being spiritual leaders, we don't do it the way Christ has called us to do it. Right? When you become a dad, you become a spiritual leader, you should be, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a, there's a lot of things that will not benefit me if I do this. But when you do it, it is so good. Again, why is Paul saying this specifically to men at this point? Yes, there's a spiritual attack. But then again, men don't always see their family duty or obligation with the same zeal as women. And even as a dad, I stand up here and say that, right? There are some things in raising up our children that my wife, she just has way more compassion. She could hang out with, like, and I, I know not every woman is this way, but, like, snow days, summer vacation, Christmas vacation. I do have a calendar, and I'm counting down the days. My wife was like, oh, I wish they could just stay here forever. <laughs> nope, I don't have that spiritual gifting. Right? But there is this thing where I'm listening to the Lord and go, okay, my wife just naturally gets this. I have this wonderful honor and duty that I'm, all, I'm not going to do it naturally. I need to do it in the Lord. Right? Christian dads, they need to stand up and be present. Not dictators, but not bleeding hearts either. Not dictators. What do I mean by that? This is something that, that I, I see Christian, Christian parents struggle with all the time. Right? Like, it is my job to raise my kids in the way that they are to go, not to be a mini-me, right? Not to like what I like in every... Is it nice when they do? Yeah, yeah. My, my, my one and only son, he's a Dallas Cowboy fan, right? That's probably from the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Um, you know, now he's, he likes what dad likes, right? So I got to be careful with that, right? I got to be careful with that, like, they, they watch me. They see me. Even when I don't realize they do, they're watching daddy. Like, my kids will kind of sometimes kind of mock me, and they'll be like, gosh darn it, Jessica. <laughs> Maybe they've heard dad say that a few times. Like, wow, what did I? And when my son was really young, he would say, gosh dang it, which is a, we, we don't have them say that anymore. But when he would say it, it didn't say, like, gosh dang it. So daddy had to, like, repent right there. Where did he learn that? Like, well, daddy says it. 
oh, whoops. Dads, don't be dictators. But don't be a bleeding heart either. What do I mean by that? You never see your kids do anything wrong. It's always mom's job to discipline. It's always mom's job to instruct. You're always busy doing stuff. I learned great lessons from my mother, but I also learned great lessons from my father, my earthly father and my spiritual fathers. And they didn't always think what I was doing was correct. Right? Dads, you should be a part of the love and the correction. Wants well, to turn to Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6. It says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And first and foremost, this is, this is talking about um, the Old and New Testament merging together, the Old Testament fathers merging with the children of the New Testament, right? There's, there's not a different God in the Old Testament from the New Testament. There's also a, a preaching that John the Baptist did of repentance that the church should always do. But then there's also this third thing, and it's the relationship between fathers and their kids and all that it represents. And it's important that we walk into this. While society or the world hates each other, we're called to love each other. Hate sells. Some, even in this body of Christ, are consumed with it. Consumed with it. All you think about is what's been done to you or to someone else. It is an obsession. God is not the God of hate. Right? And society, we're supposed to be different. While parents and kids argue and disrespect each other, we're to honor and love. It's different. It's different than the world. While generations hurt other generations, we are to love and respect other generations. It's one of the beautiful things that, is, that we're seeing starting to happen at Emmaus. Right? 14 years ago, we were a young church as it had all young people. And now we're starting to see, as we still have young people, older generations coming saying, I want to be a part of this church. I want to be around young people, not just so I can disciple them, which is beautiful, but also because they've got some zeal in the Holy Spirit that I want. This is a beautiful thing. It's one of the things that Malachi 4, 5, and 6 is talking about. Why? Because it's not the way of the world. The way of the world is hate. The way of the world is you think your parents are dumb always. It's not the way of Jesus. And then generations don't get along. Boomers don't get along with millennials and Gen Z. Right? If you remember the beginning of the pandemic, what was some in media calling? Calling COVID. Because it was mainly boomers that were getting. I mean, think about it. It was almost championed. And the church is to be different. There's a lot of father hurt. There's always more dad hurt or church hurt than any other hurt that we counsel. Always. Especially in Springfield, there's a lot of church hurt. But there's always a lot of dad hurt too. And why? Because Satan knows when we stay there, when we ignore the wrong things dads have done, when we ignore the disobedience of kids, when there's not healing in church hurt, our focus is just on the hate. Our focus is just on the things 
that the enemy has done. There's a lot of statistics out there that I could give, and I'll only give a few today. But I say in America right now, one in every four live without a father figure in America. One of every four. No, no father figure. Also, in prison, 85% of men in prison grew up without a father figure. You can find even more stats. And Satan loves it. And so I encourage you, if you've had that dad hurt, you've had that church hurt, don't stay there. Forgiveness doesn't mean that what was done was okay. Some of us, man, your parents, your dad especially, did something that was ungodly. And Jesus has some strong words to say about that. But you don't have to stay in hate for the rest of your life. You can find healing. You can find restoration where you're no longer enslaved to that. And I would say this. For, for Christian dads, too, every dad will need God's grace and forgiveness. Forgiveness is important. Um, when my biological father passed away, right before I moved to Springfield um, at 20 years old to go to Evangel, um, my father passed away. Now, my father that had not been in my life, I actually called him by his first name. I didn't call him dad because my mom married a man who became my daddy. Right? So there wasn't this void. I also knew the Lord by that time. So he was my Abba Father. So there wasn't this void that I needed to fill. But I remember being at his funeral, and I carried his casket. I met family members that didn't know I existed. I met family members I, that, that did know that I exist, but they, they'd only see me when I was a small, small child. It was very awkward. And, it was just, and I wasn't feeling any grief. I knew I needed to be there to honor my father, but it was awkward. And I remember days after his funeral, before I left this small town in Idaho, I went to his grave, and I just wanted to see it one more time. And then the Holy Spirit compelled me, forgive your father. And I, man, and I didn't know that I needed to do it. I didn't have any weird issues, but I just, I didn't know where he was at with the Lord. I knew he'd never been there though, but I wasn't really bothered by it. But I was overcome with this emotion from the Lord to just pray for his soul but also just forgive him, just to forgive him. And I started to cry. It was one of the most actually supernatural moments of my life. I won't ever get into it, but it was like, I just one of those moments like I knew God was there. I'm like, God, you are here, and this is good. And it was transforming for my life. Forgiveness is more powerful than you'll ever know. Now, was there restoration? No, my father had passed. For some of us, the restoration might not look like what you think it needs to look like. Because maybe your father has passed. Maybe there are lack of repentance. Maybe there's reasons why you can never have contact with them again. But that doesn't mean that you have to be in bondage to hate. Fathers. Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Parents, dads, you do not own your kids. They're not your mini-me. They're first and foremost God's child. Treat them as such because you will be held accountable for it. You have the honor of reducing them to love, respect, authority, unconditional love, and discipline. Again, we talked about those bleeding hearts and those dictators. So many good parents. When I do premarital counseling and both families have come from like a good, solid 
Christian home. I was telling man, one of the things you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to break off from your parents. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, good parents don't know how to let go. <laughs> good parents, they just kind of follow you, right? I know, I'll be one of those. I'll be one of those. But I need to teach them the way they're to go. God has things for them that are gonna make me feel real uncomfortable as a daddy. They're probably, you know, for my daughters, there's probably no man out there that's good enough because there isn't, right? There's just going to be that. We have to give. They're not mine. They're his. Okay, well, now I want to look at uh, Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. It says, this says this about God, that he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And this comes back to that Malachi 4, 5, and 6. So much dad hurt. You know that can be resolved? Whether your dad wants to be restored in a godly way or not. Because there is an Abba Father. And I don't think you'll ever be able to even understand your earthly father, good or bad, until you understand Abba, Father. For he is a father to the fatherless. In church counseling, again, always way more, probably 70% church hurt and dad hurt. And that can be resolved. That can be restored. There's a generation that loves Jesus. And we find them in the millennial and Gen Z's. It's not always popular to say this. There's also a generation that loves the Lord and the baby boomers. There's a generation that needs fathering and mothering, and where is the church? want to look at this, fathers, do not provoke your kids. There's some things that the church is doing that we need, we need to repent of. Standing up for truth and how you do it is really, really important. If not, what does Paul say? You're going to provoke them to just not follow God. I see one of the biggest things that you also see in what, what Paul's teachings are, it's always like, hey, fathers, you first, man, go reconcile. Hey, that older generation, you go reconcile. Where is the church? A couple questions as we close. Number one, do you need to forgive your parents? Forgiveness puts you at a place with the Lord and it frees you but restoration is a two-way street. I can forgive you in my heart for what you've done, but I can't restore unless it's a two-way street. Restoration takes deep counseling. It takes some accountability on both parties, especially on the one that has done the pain. Right? But do you need to forgive your parents? Do you need to be set free? Second question of that, do you need to walk in a better way to honor your father or your mother? Spend, spend some time during worship to seek the Lord on that. Men, this is for you. Will this be the year that you stand for Jesus and walk as a godly father to your children? Right? Even in the church, absent fathers. And even when we're present, we're not always present. Let's teach this generation what it is to follow Jesus and his greatest commands. Slow to anger, quick to love. Good fathers discipline and teach. Good fathers have unconditional love. 
good fathers are present. Will this be the year that you say, man, I'm just, man I want to do better? And I'm preaching to myself on that too. Lord, forgive me for the times I'm just too busy for these little ones that are looking to a daddy. I want to be daddy. And that goes for spiritual fathers as well. If you're always distanced from the generations that dress differently, that see things differently than you, and that your response is just like to keep them a distance, you're, they're a bad dad. Will this be the time that you say, I'm, I'm going to be a good daddy? And then lastly, will we as a church body commit to walking in Malachi 4, 5, and 6 to turn the hearts of the fathers? To turn the hearts of the fathers. This is a generational thing. This is a society thing. I see too many, and especially young people right now, it's just the season, doesn't mean older people don't struggle with this, but especially young people right now have all these bents of what scripture says and doesn't say, and one of the first things that Pastor Clinton, I'll ask them, do you have any spiritual fathers or mothers in your life? And almost all the time, which means they just know better than everybody else. I think scripture would say, that's not just their fault, that's our fault. So as we when we close, we're just gonna we're gonna seek the Lord. There are people in the back that would love to pray with you. There's there's communion in the back. Right? We want to honor our fathers and mothers. There's some before you can do that, you need there needs to be some deep therapy and counseling. You need to walk through this with somebody else. And you know what I'm talking about? Where there's 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 a wide array. Some man, it's just your your, your mom and dad was good. They were just human, but you still need to work through some things. For some, there was some abuse that happened. And maybe the church even just said, oh, that's okay. They're just, they're just a man. They're just a dude. They're just whatever. Because we flipped some verses around. And they ignored a whole bunch of other verses that God said, uh-oh, uh-oh, no way. Right? There needs to be some deep counseling through that. And then as a church, man, we're already in this, but let's continue in it. The generations, I love that older people are coming saying, I want to be around these young believers that love Jesus. And then this younger generation say, man, I want to know what they've got to, t- to teach me. Let's continue to walk in that. If you guys could stand with me, we're going to close in prayer. Father, Lord God, we just thank you again, like what we always pray, your word does not come back void. And so fruit is here and fruit will come. Father, would we not walk in despair in the world that we live in right now, but would we actually have excitement? Because you told us all this stuff would happen. But you also told us a revival would happen. So would we be ready for it? Are we ready to be disciple makers to those that need Jesus? We're your hands and feet to the fatherless. Would we not keep a distance from the mess? Would we not cause our earthly children or our spiritual children to be provoked to rebellion? Because we're just, up, just as caught up in media as they are. Would we be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry and quick to love and show them the way of Jesus, which is the Great Commission? Holy Spirit, would you teach us how to honor our parents in the good And then the times, it was just not good. How do we do that before you, holy God? What is it to walk in forgiveness? From parents that were just human, but then parents that were ungodly. How do we pray for their souls? 
but also be removed from the obsession of hate and damage. God, only you can take us through that. Take us to your throne. Let healing just continue and the fruit of the Lord be shown. Father, we love you. We trust you. You are Abba, Father. You are King.